previously on No Seatbelts. On this episode, Star Trek rises from the grave, albeit a bit slowly. Jim Kirk gets the band back together. His ride gets a sleek new look, and the people of Earth learn the hard way that things you put in the cloud never really quite go away and sometimes come back to bite you in the ass. It's Star Trek The Motion Picture. I'm Captain Awesome. I am the Tribble Hippie. And there are no seatbelts on this bridge. Hey everybody, welcome back to part two of Star Trek The Motion Picture, where we've just gotten out of space dock, we accidentally opened up a wormhole, managed to get ourselves out, and now Kirk's mad at Decker for saving everybody. Decker just saved the entire crew, possibly parts of the solar system, (laughs) and Kirk's like, you, come talk to me now. Now, the Admiral wants to yell at this commander because of clear insubordination. So what happens? The ship's doctor is like, I'm going with you. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh yeah. Cause at, th- at this point, at this point, if you drag me back to the military gym, you know what? I'm going to bitch about everything that you do. Right. I am going to be on you. <laughs> hey Kirk, is this the room you wanted to be in? Are you sure? <laughs> Shut up, Jim. <laughs> but, and he does bring up the whole thing about getting the ship back because they go, Kirkin and uh, Decker have their little duel. Um, and uh, and McCoy blasts me immediately. He's like, no, you wanted to get the ship back. It's in possession with you, which is kind of a crack because in the next movie, he's going to be saying, you know what you should do? You should get your ship back because you're right. kind of a jerk without one. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I do like that, that bones totally calls him on his crap and he's like, listen, this is your fault. <laughs> all right. So, uh, all of a sudden a shuttle shows up and, and Ahura tells everybody, Hey, there's a shuttle. Now this shuttle's really cool. I have no idea what it is. I didn't go through to look it up, but it's really neat. Cause it's a shuttle that does not have its own nacelles, but it's got this platform that it rides that it can detach from. It's like a maintenance shuttle that can attach to a platform and then go to warp. It's cool as hell. I think the idea was similar to the, uh, the Jedi starfighter that uh, you have a, you have a basic uh, warp platform that you can attach other things to mm-hmm. um, and put it through. I really like the fact that once again, second time in the movie, we're going to spend a bunch of money on special effects of getting to watch someone back into a parking space. Yep. And because Spock isn't really great at it, it takes a long time. Oh my God. So long. <laughs> um, so the shuttle shows up. So this is a Star Trek thing that I don't get. People show up at shuttles or in shuttles. They show up in the cargo bay. They show up in the shuttle bay. They show up on transporter pads and in a ship that's got hundreds of people on it, still they manage to pop out onto the bridge, and the bridge crew is like, It's you. Like, how do you not know? There's got to be a hundred people calling, being like, Hey, by the way, I just saw Spock down the hall. Well, he was such a jerk to check off when he came on. It's like, Fine, you just go whatever and announce you. Right. <laughs> So Spock shows up and Kirk turns around and goes, Spock. You're then, much more goth than I remember. Hang on. It wasn't good enough to say Spock once. He has to turn and say, <laughs> Spock again. <laughs> and actually they did the little dialogue thing of, uh, of him ending Sulu's sentence. Well, it's, it's, it's Mr. Spock. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I also like that uh, Spock is absolutely just like, yeah, whatever. I'm here. Like I'm I, I think this scene absolutely encapsulates uh, Nimoy's whole opinion about doing this movie. <laughs> Just like, yeah, I'm here. I'm going to do what I have to do. Now leave me alone. But dang, can he fix a ship or what? Well, hold on. Before he does that, first he's got a he, he has to slap the pride out of Decker again. <laughs> Decker's like, ooh, you're Spock. And Kirk's like, hey, by the way, Spock's really going to be my science officer. You're out. 
<laughs> and rather than be like, well, what's my job now? He's like, oh no, yes, sir. Whatever you like, sir. Yes, yes. That sounds great. And I'm like, all right, the whole time he's just been against everything. And he's like, well, Spock showed up. Now we're good. <laughs> Maybe you can keep this jerk and right? check somewhat. <laughs> Sick of dealing with him. <laughs> so Spock checks in with his science station, kicks Decker out. And then he's like, well, that was fun. I'm going to go down to engineering instead. <laughs> I just mentioned once he got up there, it was like, man, I forgot how annoying all you people really are. Um, right. I'm going to engineering. <laughs> I got a thing. Uh, just let I mean, something in the shuttle. I'll, I'll, let's yeah, be I'll honest. What he's going to do in engineering is he's going to prove that Scotty doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Because <laughs> Scotty can't make warp work or can't make it go faster or whatever. Because they're not really clear about what he's doing and what's wrong. It's and the intermix chamber. The intermix chamber formula is is wrong, which I can't figure out because isn't it always one to one? I, I, <laughs> I none of it. The intermix man. formula was one to one. That that's that's it. It's not real science. None of this makes any sense. <laughs> it's just a guy standing there moving wires around. They're not even wires. They're plastic. <laughs> anyway, so Scotty can't make it go. Um, Spock shows up and he's like, um, should you try turning it off and back on again? <laughs> and he gets it working. Um, okay, so then they go to warp. Now, one thing I did notice warp one through six, rainbows, warp seven, back into normal space. I don't know why, but as soon as they achieved warp seven, they got out of the rainbows. And I did love the special effects on this, the rainbow was just straight lines. Psh- yes of a rainbow and i'm like okay this like if i saw that on the side of a van it makes a lot of sense but maybe not in the movie (laughs) the problem was man that warp effect in star wars was so cool how do we come up with something that that isn't that but you know not that but that well not not that but i think next gen did it because they were like screw this star trek or star wars did it right we're going to use that and they just kept on using it i mean they did the whole stretch of the ship thing yeah. but like when they were in warp you look out the windows star wars yeah yeah right <laughs> yeah and we just was like you know what that looks cooler let's just do that right lucas can't um, sue us for that right he can't sue us for that right okay no that's it so spock is also uh he senses the intelligence He's very, very sure that he senses the intelligence. <laughs> but unfortunately, there's a red alert. Dun, dun, dun. As they approach the cloud, something is coming out of the middle of it. And it's a, uh, uh, what do you call it? A plasma probe thingy? Yeah, I want another one of those. Uh, we're going to try to uh, aggressively uh, 3D scan you. Yeah. Y- yeah, something like that. <laughs> Are they well? Okay, so oh the, no, there's there's one thing also that just a really quick bit. They go and they speak to Spock about why he came back. Kirk and McCoy and Spock all have that little meeting. Oh they re- yeah, they re-edited this one too, because in this one, McCoy they after Spock leaves. Jim and, and McCoy and McCoy asked him, you know, how do we really know about any of us, Jim? In the original cut, he asked that question like right when Jim is leaving because of the red alert. Mm-hmm. And he stops Jim and, and says, you know, because he's asking, can we trust Spock? And he asks him, how do we know about any of us? And Kirk gives him a really weird look before he leaves. And they completely re-edited the scene. I have no idea why. Hmm. I wonder what that is about. I mean, it's kind of a throwaway scene, if I'm being honest. I don't think we really get anything out of it either. Oh, really? I love this scene. I love it. Really? You please sit down. Okay. Yeah. That was, <laughs> I forgot about that. Um, okay. So Spock says something that I just don't understand why he had to say, Captain, I suspect there is something in the center of the cloud. Oh, yes. Yes. Duh. Yes. <laughs> yes. I know. It's like you, you thought nothing was in there, right? Yeah. Just because you know. 
I don't know. He seemed like he was either really high or he was actually hearing it talk, but I wasn't really sure which. Well, right after that, he kind of looks like he has a flashback. Right? (laughs) And and then the cloud starts throwing stuff at us. That's true. (laughs) So the 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 plasma probe comes flying in. Uh it it hits the ship. But okay, and and why do we not have any evasive maneuvers whatsoever? Why do we wait for the thing to hit us? Everybody in the whole movie did that. (laughs) Every time this thing shoots at them, they're just like, okay, that's I I guess I'm gonna get shot now. (laughs) Now the Okay, so the only reason I can think that everybody just sits around is they do say in the very beginning that this thing is 2 AU big. Yes. Now right? they so re-edited that from the original. Oh, yeah? Originally, it was 82 AU. So, I mean, think about the size of that, though. Yeah, and that's... Even um, 2 AU, you're talking about the distance from Earth to the sun twice over. Yes. Like, I can, I, I can see sitting in front of that thing and having it shoot at you and just being so overwhelmed that you're like, oh, there's no way I can outrun this. <laughs> Klingon stride didn't happen. Let's see what happened. Let's see what happens if it touches us. Right. <laughs> so it, it, it shoots. It turns out that those shots are actually kind of phone calls. Um, it's, it's reaching out. Um, Pavel did get zapped uh, when he got zapped. The Delton comes over and, and uh, nurse chapel comes over and, and they're going to take care of him. I can only assume that this was a scene from the original TV show that was going to set up Ilea in some sort of way, as far as the, her abilities and stuff. Yeah. But this scene just seems like completely didn't seem like it was really worth it. Let's just put it that way. Didn't oh, no, really it was need to know garbage. she was an empath or, or uh, well, she sits down. She's like, I'm going to make your pain go away. And the look on his face is like, well, I guess it doesn't really hurt. And <laughs> Hey, have you been here the whole time? Stop. <laughs> um, Dr. Chapel shows up to, to do the work. And she also is like, Hey, you're pretty. <laughs> and all I could think in this whole scene is, where the hell is bones? He's not doing Jack to help out this guy that he's known for the last God knows how long who just got hurt. And he's just standing there watching like, eh, he's already got a doctor. He's, <laughs> he's writing a complaint letter to the engineers about his, uh, his uh, new medical bay. Right. <laughs> and another thing, why is everything white? <laughs> um, also uh, Spock is once again, uh, acting as the comms officer, not letting Uhura do her job, that that little uh, thing comes in. He's like, you know, this is just a message that's sped up. I mean, See, here's the thing. We can we can probably communicate, but their modem is way better than ours. Uh-huh. That is exactly what it is. It actually made me think of that <laughs> years and years ago. Uh, so they enter the cloud. Turns out Decker's a big chicken. Uh, <laughs> he, How uh, do you define unwarranted he just his attitude in this is just so weird for somebody who was captain yesterday and this is this is this cements the the point that no it was better that kirk was here this cements the point because true basically we would if if it were decker he would be be doing the john harriman of like well let's hang out here and look for a little while it's like no you can't do that you need to actually go in there right and figure things out so now it's time to kick back have a drink this is going to take a while as we head through the kaleidoscope it's a big ship and it's a slow enterprise crawl i wrote kaleidoscope everyone's staring kaleidoscope (laughs) obligatory nothing works speech kaleidoscope repeat and that's pretty much how it goes for like 10 minutes whose acid trip do you think this is based on was this Roddenberry's? Was that Wise's? So, uh, ForgottenTrek.com actually has an article called Designing the Living Machine. Goes into excruciating detail about the design process for the interior of V'ger. It's actually kind of a neat story. There's a lot of stuff that did not get included in this. There's a lot of drawings yeah. on here. It's, it's really, really cool. Uh, I highly advise checking out the article. In that process, they do talk about like what they were kind of looking for. They they wanted V'ger to have this feeling of being a living machine. 
that as you went through the cloud and got deeper and deeper into this, you'd kind of see all kinds of formations and stuff that, that made you feel like it was a living machine. Like you might even see a wall that would like just deform in front of it and stuff. I mean, a lot of the stuff they talked about is totally doable today. Like a 15 minute session of, of doing some computer graphics and you're done. It would just work. Um, These guys were definitely ahead of their time on what they wanted in this conceptually. So it wasn't so much that it was an acid trip. It was a combination of they had some really, really neat ideas and they had to compete with Kubrick. Um, And I will say the 4K, it was actually nice to get a little clearer view of it rather than have it kind of look like seeing it through the fog. There is so Um, much stuff in there that I had never seen before. Um, that once I watched it in the, the 4k, I was like, oh, oh, like there's like stuff down there in the fog that you can actually see. <laughs> so they, it didn't look like they were constantly going over the smoking section. <laughs> right. So that's just, and, and all of this, all of this time is just the cloud. Then they finally get to the vessel itself. And when they get to the vessel, Kirk's like, Hey, you know, to be really cool. Let's skim the surface of this thing. Now this is this is where Jim Kirk does uh, uh, what his brother speaks about in Strange New Worlds. He's not above depending on charm and luck. This is Jim depending on luck. You know what? Mm-hmm. Let's get real close to it because I have no idea what to do. I don't know what the right thing or the wrong thing is. So I'm going to do the most ballsy thing because because yep. <laughs> it's a roll of the dice anyway. We go. I don't. There's no odds to be calculated here. So 500 meter because, and they even make a point of Sulu, like double checking the order for 500 meters or yards. I'm sorry, 500 yards. Yeah. To let us know, this is kind of nuts. Pretty ridiculous. See now, well, this brings up a point because almost all of the dialogue you see on the bridge had to be mm-hmm. redubbed. All of the screens that you're seeing on the enterprise bridge, those are all rear projection. So you have Real just noisy. tons of projectors around the outside of that bridge set beaming in all those things and all of those things are making noise so it was so bad that they had to go back and redub almost all the dialogue from the actual bridge because the noise from the uh, rear projectors was just too great so i i'm a little surprised that that was the problem i would have figured it was more to do with the fact that that room sounds like a cafeteria like some of the first scenes when they first walk in yes it's the the sound bouncing off the walls is just so bad but, and it's hilarious because it's such a great effect when they do it in enterprise, when you're supposed to be in a small cramped space and yep. they do that, they have that same thing and it actually works, but this is supposed to be a spacious enterprise. And then it kind of sounds like, how come it sounds like you're in a shack, you know? Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, so another plasma probe comes through. Uh, this one is the one that actually starts probing the, the bridge. It's a beam of light. Pretty much, if you stand real still, it it, it won't see you. <laughs> and here's the thing. All that technology at Vedra's command, and did he purposely find the most annoying probe he could find? Is that the only probe, or did he just right. pick it? You know what? I'm going I'm to send him this one. Nobody likes this one. <laughs> um, I did like that, that Decker's like, Chekhov, don't interfere with it at all. And Chekhov's <laughs> like, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> of course I'm not going to. And and then when he starts getting the computers, you see it kind of creep over by he's like he's copying all and they don't say it, but you see their eyes they look there, he's copying all our plans are different and all of our search histories. Okay, I'll pull the right. plug, pull the plug, pull the plug. <laughs> now I did notice as the screens were flashing by, there was absolutely uh stills that were taken from the technical manual. Oh yes, yes. Of uh, the the enterprise uh, <laughs> uh, diagrams, I thought that was real cool. That was, that was a nice little nod to the fans. I think. Um, I, I also noticed that everybody on the bridge got really weirdly like rigor mortis frozen anytime they got near the electricity sparks. Um, like as this <laughs> thing would get close to you, they were like, <clears throat> and like they wouldn't. It was very bizarre. And then, of course, Ilya disappears. Immediately, the entire deck crew just goes, oh, that sucked, and moves on. <laughs> except, for, except for Decker has to take that parting shot. That's how I define unwarranted. Right. Dude, your girlfriend just got it, and you were taking the opportunity to do it. I told you so. 
Oh yeah. Wow. Wow. Petty. I love it. So, <laughs> all right. Uh, the next section in the DVD is actually referred to as into the maw. <laughs> and I, I had it written down as the enterprise becomes a suppository. Right. I wrote this thing's <laughs> anus is clearly going to eat them. <laughs> so this woman walks onto the bridge and Kirk looks over his shoulder and goes, chief DeFalco take over for Ilya. And it turns out this is actually Shatner's wife. They and were married was- in 1973 and they divorced in 96. Now, one of the things that was kind of weird is uh, right away they, as they're floating through this thing, they see all these giant spheres that look like they have windows on them. I still can't quite figure out what they were trying to make these things look like because it looks like there's a city inside there. I thought they were supposed to look like kind of like bug eyes, but I, but I don't know. I don't know. It just, it, I, I think maybe I'm just a little conditioned from watching movies that it kind of looked like a set piece that of windows and stuff, you know? And it's hard to say. I mean, honestly, that thing was so big. We have no idea of, uh, Right. If uh, V had its own infestations, because as you mentioned, Packlids could have been in there. Right? <laughs> you make it go. You are ship smart. Is big. Um, so there's another uh, alert. Um, uh, it's an intruder alert this time. All right. So there's a an intruder alert. It's Ilya. I don't know whose quarters she's in, but she's in the shower, which seems really unnecessary. This was very much a. Uh, uh, to Paul in the decontamination chamber kind of moment. <laughs> like, there was no reason for her to be naked in the shower. Now, for her to be naked anywhere on the ship and like, I need some clothes, that actually doesn't make, or that makes a lot of sense because of how she was taken away. But being in the shower specifically seemed really <laughs> odd. Also, um, what are they in- showering in? It was like red smoke. <laughs> um, sonic shower. Um, in the book, the reason being is that she was actually, when, when she materialized, mm-hmm. she was thousands of degrees and she, in the sonic shower was actually bringing the temperature down for her to be able to like interact on the ship. That, you know what, now that you say that, that might've been in the original edit. I seem to remember something about her being too hot. <laughs> Not that way. <laughs> And everyone, everyone really realized, oh yeah, yeah, the bald chick's too hot. <laughs> um, so one of the things I did like about this scene is uh, the negotiation of her saying, "I'm, I'm only supposed to uh, examine the carbon life forms in their natural function," and he's like, "Well, if we examine you, that's a natural function." She's like, "Well, that tracks. Okay, let's do that then." I kind of, I, I think a uh, drunk history voiceover for these would be fantastic. Like, <laughs> I well, like the whole yeah. idea of Vidra wants to get your attention by sending you a naked woman. Right. <laughs> with Vidra's a body been cam. paying attention. A naked woman with a body cam. <laughs> uh, so they, they check it out and they're like, she is the most advanced robot that's ever been created. She's Except got for the these- sound card. Oh, right but she's got these little <laughs> tiny things that are tiny processors to run every bodily function and all i could think was somewhere out in the universe data's like are you freaking kidding me <laughs> she's got real skin that's not fair <laughs> no every time she talked i couldn't help but think it's like yeah that's a driver issue that, right? that sound card has a driver issue they got to do something about that I don't know. It was the late seventies. I was thinking somebody poked a hole in that speaker. <laughs> she was too, she had too much gusto with a fork. And I love the next step. We examine her and then we say, Hey, Will, we found, we found a very sexy robot that looks just like your ex-girlfriend. Why don't you show her around? Right. And she's like, Decker. Oh God. So he takes her on a walk. But when he takes her on a walk, we do get to see something really cool. We get to see the enterprise or he goes into the, the lounge area and we get to see the enterprise display where we've got the clipper ship, the carrier, the shuttle, some weird early ship and this ship. And no NX-01. Definitely not because nobody even heard of that yet. The other thing I noticed in this scene. 
is for some reason they took the naked chick robot and stuck her in four inch clear heels. <laughs> that wasn't Vidra's fault. That was the crew of the enterprise. That's right. Jim, Jim hits those buttons to dress her. That's right. Yeah, That's exactly. Right. Jim's like, all right. Uh, so I want a short robe and you know what? Let's do some stilettos. That sounds good. And the thing is their whole plan now is just to play big brother with this chick as, as basically Jim and McCoy sit in another room and watch it all from video. Yeah, it is pretty creepy. <laughs> so I, I, I like the fact that at some point the robot actually gets slightly aroused by, by Decker and then and then the look at her face is like, oh, I just creep myself out. <laughs> so there's one other thing about his little uh walking her around that is a so absolutely pointless scene, absolute garbage, which is him and uh and Dr. Chapel show her a headband and put the headband on her head. Did you remember about this for you at Coachella? Right. <laughs> it was just, Oh, so. And she looks in the mirror and you can see the look on her face. Like if I tell these people how much I hate this, they're going to be mad at me. <laughs> so the only reason I bring this up is once again, I'm going to geek out. The room they're in is absolutely the bathroom in somebody's quarters on TNG. <laughs> they're standing in front of the mirror that has the little drawers that push out that have the sink in them and like if you look off on the edges it's absolutely the nice curved uh, architecture and everything that's in the yeah. tng quarters yeah that totally makes sense anyway um so once again if spock is going to do anything helpful and this is a universal truth if Spock is going to be helpful, he's going to do it absolutely in secret and almost get killed doing it. <laughs> so what does Spock do? He heads down to where they store all the spacesuits, and he paralyzes a guy. Good job. No, let's remember also, this is not a first for Spock. If we go back to the original series, when we deal with uh, when he decides he, he needs to get Captain Pike out of that situation. Yeah, he just deals the Enterprise. He just completely right. fakes the entire thing. You're absolutely right. When Spock really wants to get something done, he feels it's much easier to ask for forgiveness than permission. Totally. Plus, <laughs> if you're a crewman on a ship that Spock works on, you better watch your back because that dude's going to nerve pinch you. <laughs> if he decides that you're in between him and what he wants, yeah, you're going down. Right. Like seriously, <laughs> I'm surprised that the, the uh, crew on below decks hasn't talked about how many times <laughs> Spock has nerve pinched people. So Spock gets into his spacesuit. He heads outside and he's got a rocket pack, which I got to admit the rocket pack was real cool. When I was a kid, I thought that was just the freaking best. Anyway. For a special effects sequence, actually, yeah, it, it is really right? cool. And so he times the beating of what I guess is the heart valve and <laughs> shoots into it. Because uh, Okay, because he theorizes that the next chamber probably has part of the machine's inner mechanism. Why would you think that? <sighs> Look how long it took you to get over the top of the machine, then you go behind it, you enter the very first chamber and you decide, oh yeah, the next one's probably where all the important stuff is. Cause that's what Spock always does. He's going to do that in the future and he's going to look for whales, <laughs> right? He's going to decide that time travel is possible. He's going to decide that he understands what's going on inside Klingon's heads. Like, he just, he assumes he knows things and he gets everybody in trouble because of it. And that's usually after he's broken interstellar law and nerve pinched somebody. <laughs> Spock's actually the problem with the universe. Well, I'm going to be honest. And Spock does. Spock kind of got from Jim. That's actually what, what happened. Spock learned a lot from Pike, but we learned from Jim was, well, the law doesn't apply to you all the time. Right. <laughs> Don't if, teach that to a Vulcan. If you have a really good plan to the, should ethics really stand Actually, in your way? I don't think that's a Jim Kirk thing. I think that's interacting with humans, right? <laughs> like any Vulcan who interacts with humans long enough eventually goes, you know, the rules don't actually apply to me. <laughs> All right. So you know what those bastards get away with? Oh yeah. So Spock launches into the heart valve and he does another Dave in 2001 
section where he flies forward and sees all this cool stuff. They do the helmet shot with all the stuff reflecting off his helmet. He gets to the end and he gets this like flash of images that I'm pretty sure was like your classic, like all of these seventies war images kind of thing. I couldn't quite tell, but that's what it felt like. I, I, I like, I like the whole thing. And again, just the leaps of logic. Okay, I'm going through this whole huge holodeck system and I'm seeing all these things. Oh, there's Ilya. The, the, the lamp from Spencer's gifts that she has sticking in her throat must have some importance. So I'll just right. mind with that. I, I'm pretty sure that that means that she's reached the age of 27 and <laughs> she's going to have to head to sanctuary. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Renewal! <laughs> I know that movie too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so here's the thing. So Spock gets there. He raises his hands up. He's like, ah, ah, ah. And he gets spit back out of the heart valve. And Kirk, for some reason, is just floating in space waiting for him. He doesn't have a jetpack, so he's doing absolutely nothing. And why is it the captain who says, okay, I'm going to get in no, a no. suit and go out the there? Admiral. The Admiral. <laughs> I guess that's why, because nobody can tell him no. Right? Uh, he's like, well, I, I was going to talk to the guy who runs all the spacesuits, but he was passed out on the floor. Because <laughs> it kind of seems to me, with Jim Kirk, you probably more likely of, of Decker get in a suit and get out there right <laughs> exactly hey decker hey hey decker did you did you finish mopping the floor yet because i'm gonna need you to do something else <laughs> um, i don't see why you can't do it captain kirk do you see any women out there is there <laughs> i i don't know what what part of you know do you not understand right so kirk catches him then they end up in the sick bay spock's kind of like out of it on the bed here's the thing i didn't get from this scene when when spock went all the way in and he was like ah and freaking out when he saw all those images in his head uh-huh. did you get that he was doing a mind meld yes i totally didn't get that that's what he was doing i thought he just like got to a certain point and was like flooded with imagery and when he's in sick bay bones is like oh and he did the mind meld and that's what you get for it and then like wait what <laughs> yeah the uh the thing on our neck he he mentions it have, must have some sort of significance and then he puts his hands up and uh and uh so that i just kind of assume from putting your his hands up and grabbing the thing that he was trying to mind okay so it. what we've established now is that mind melds don't necessarily have to be on the right cheekbone points or anything now if you just kind of point your hands at somebody you can <laughs> mind meld with them <laughs> If you're really good at it, like Spock is right. Like seriously, don't <laughs> let Vulcans take their gloves off. <laughs> so, God. so this, this is the moment though, that we see that Spock finally gets over his daddy issues. This, yes. is, this is it right here. That's uh, okay. That's fair. He gets over this, his daddy issues and he's like, you know what the problem is? <laughs> that major guy, he can't feel anything. I know what that's like. I was trying to go over that. And you know what? He's doing it and he he's pissed off. His right. life sucks. I ain't doing that. So then they get notified that they're in earth orbit. Um, so th- this is where things take a drastic change. So I don't know if this is really a production thing or if this was a story thing, but they get notified. The cloud has just dispersed. And now they're stuck inside the ship, but the ship is in orbit above Earth. Yes. Now, I'm going to stop here for a second. The model of this ship, you've mentioned a couple times now that Decker's dad was Commodore Decker, who was in the Doomsday Machine. Yes. When they were modeling V'ger, they made a couple different options of what they wanted to do. And what they came up with initially was it was a big, long cigar shape with basically a... Uh, an opening on one end that was kind of like mouth shaped, I guess. And they were really like, this is cool, but it looks like the doomsday machine. So we just can't do that. So they went back to the drawing board and they redesigned it. They ended up building it uh, a 60 foot long uh, model. Really? Yeah. Think about that. It's a model that's 60 feet long. So 
the crazy thing is, is that because of the way production was, they were working on one end of the model and filming on the other end of the model. So they actually had a black curtain that they would lower <laughs> between the side where they were building stuff and the side where they were filming stuff. <laughs> it's a, it's a crazy thing. And there's, there's pictures on that, uh, on that website I was telling you about forgotten track. They've got pictures of all the design drawings and everything. But they've also got pictures of people like standing in the model, trying to work on stuff <laughs> and, and put the thing together. And it's, it's pretty impressive. Uh, there's like, there's a scene where um, there's all these like, uh these shapes that are coming out of the fog where there's like yellow pulsing lights down below them uh -huh. as they're going through uh there's a picture of the woman who's in there painting all that stuff yellow <laughs> <laughs> um and uh, the reason everything is so smoky is because apparently it's an old camera trick that if you make a model smoky it gives it a sense of of uh uh being larger it gives it more depth of okay yeah all right it kind of, it takes care of that, uh, the vanishing point for you. And ah, so it makes things right. feel bigger. Uh, so they did that. They heavily employed that a lot in this, uh, in all of these filming sequences, but apparently um, some of these sequences as they were going through it, they were using uh, mechanical cameras to kind of go down a rail and film along the length of the thing. Uh -huh. And at times those shots were so slow. They would take 18 hours for it to get from one end to the other. Oh, good gravy. Right. You think we saw it slow? Holy God. <laughs> and apparently the, the motors that ran those cameras were also really unreliable. So they kept having to refill uh, over and over again. Oh, yeah. I no, have to say, I'm really glad with the 4k version that we actually got a clear view of, of, uh, of what was seen because i just remember that that original theatrical there it was it was a bit too smoky yeah <laughs> no it being was, able to see it, it now like, you can actually see the detail now which i think is really cool yeah yeah it really looks fantastic and hats off to all the people who worked on the 4k restoration because it really does look beautiful right so now that they're in orbit visa starts transmitting sending out a, a radio signal and they um, I, I thought it was kind of interesting that not only did the crew notice that it was sending out radio, but that they knew what radio was. <laughs> cause I mean, that's gotta be a UHF signal that it's sending out. Cause you know, it's from space or it's a, a spaceship. So, I mean, it's gotta, that would have been the best we had in the, in the seventies. Uh, I recognize it as radio captain, but I have no idea what this automobile warranty they're referring to is. <laughs> I do like when you look at Viger as like it learned all that's knowable and you look at it as like, well, not about design. Now did it really? <laughs> Ugh. Uh, so I, it, it starts sending these probes out that are weaponized probes that are going out and disrupting everything. And it starts the, the uh, Ilya robot starts talking about how they're going to kill all the carbon-based life forms on the planet. I, what the hell is this? So at this point, at this point, Spock theorizes that the whole thing's a living machine, which basically means Ailee is a chat bot. So at some point, somebody <laughs> should just start screaming representative at her in hopes of actually like finding out what's really Customer going on. service. Yes. That's, <laughs> and, um, and, that's, and that's what Jim does actually in this case. He employs the, I want to speak to your manager. Oh, totally. Strategy. He, <laughs> William Shatner is the original Karen. <laughs> um, i do think the graphics were really cool for the probes though of all the graphics that, oh, that they yes. the bridge graphics that they had that one was actually really cool yeah showing the the globe and then the the little all the little dots and the dots split apart more i thought it was really neat yeah the tactical view on it they they did an excellent job on that right um i i did find it funny uh that spock was like you know what the problem is you need to treat it like a child <laughs> Thanks, Dr. Spock. Nobody <laughs> on this bridge has kids. <laughs> so the orifice opens. Gross. Uh, Viger will, will do what you want if uh, you give me what I want. And Kirk is like, look, you get those things to go away and we'll do this. So she's like, all right, fine. And Kirk is about to go see Viger now. So what does he do? He issues Starfleet Order 2005. Let's blow it all up. 
Now, right. now this is what I love. If you're going to have the ship automatically blow itself up, it takes three people and you got to go through a number of different codes. Right. One but, A, one B, and two B. <laughs> but if you just want to do it manually, you just call down to, to Scotty and say, General Order 2005, buddy. Right. And I love the 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 girl walks up to him and is like, did did he just say self-detruct? And Scotty's like, Yep, sure did. <laughs> like the conversation between the two of those, you're about to be killed. No, hey, is that what he said? Yeah, that's what he said. Okay. <laughs> I, I just get the idea that Scotty wasn't gonna do it anyway. Yeah, that's right. what he said. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, he doesn't know right that thing too. hasn't been installed yet. <laughs> It'll be we haven't Tuesday. put any of the C4 anywhere on the bridge yet. <laughs> It'll all be put in Tuesday. So the other thing is, is wouldn't V'ger know what that general order was? Because, I mean, it did just scan the entire database. You'd think it would have gotten the Starfleet codes. See, Starfleet's really, really tricky. They change the number of that general order every day. <laughs> oh, at least once per movie. Uh, <laughs> Also, how is Ahura talking to Starfleet? She said that they lost all communications. Oh, at one point, they as they uh, got closer to the uh, solar system, they started to faintly pick up Starfleet signals. Wow. Okay. Um, so then out of nowhere, after the orifice is opened and Kirk's about to head out, he goes over to talk to Spock and Spock's crying. Spock cries for V'ger as he would have. As I would a brother. Okay, so it could be argued that this adds to story, I guess. But what the hell is the point of this? <laughs> it it showed it shows Spock's soft side, right? After after he'd been such a dick when he came on board, as he was. This, this is the kinder, gentler Spock that we're used to. I'm sorry, I've been so mean to everybody. <laughs> Just very emotional. <laughs> All right, so uh, Kirk's like, look. I'm not going to give you the info unless you take me to V'ger. So what's he going to do? Time for another spacewalk. You only had one today. He's got to go on more. <laughs> but this time you don't need the suit. You just go through a hatch that's on the top of the hole and just yeah. walk across the top of the hole. Look, it's it's something that's become or that's going to become very common in Enterprise lore. <laughs> um, I also, did you notice Uhura's face was like, this is BS. <laughs> and yes. honestly, she kind of wore that face the whole movie. Like everything <laughs> she was involved with was like, are you friggin' kidding me? I, I remember there was a, uh, a quote that uh, um, George Takai said a long time ago about uh, it started out as, as more of a uh, ensemble movie, but there were many rewrites, most of which gave advantage to Bill. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Um, I did like when they went outside the walkway to V'ger looks like Giant's Causeway in Northern Ireland. Um, oh, yes. A natural rock formation that looks just like that. It's really cool. But, but yeah. you notice that V'ger makes them all slightly different heights. So at this point, he's just being kind of a passive aggressive jerk. Oh, no, right. I, I, I made a way for you guys to get, guys to get up here. Oh, I'm sorry. Was that was that too difficult? Sorry. Yeah, exactly. Oh, did, <laughs> is your is your sciatica acting up? I'm sorry. <laughs> Pick um, up this old man. Okay, so here's the thing. They start heading out in this direction and they get to the ship. And when they get to V'ger, I'm looking at this and I'm like, there is not a single person in that movie theater who doesn't know that's a Voyager probe. Yes, because at I, the time, yeah. What is the suspense of Kirk walking up and wiping away the voyager thing like we all know exactly what this is <laughs> right one of them should have been like oh look at that it's the voyager probe and everybody would have been like yeah we were already there also oh. when kirk walks up and just starts cleaning that thing it's like he just walked up to an alien and like reached down and grabbed his <laughs> junk like that's not okay man <laughs> i kind of wanted him to get shocked now, there were, there were a number of people, though, that weren't as familiar that just thought, well, he gets satellite TV, so that explains a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's I, how V'ger knows everything. He's got all I the channels. I can't find the creator, but I've got Cinemax unscrambled. 
Um, <laughs> okay, so he wipes the stuff up, and then like a minute later, Veacher starts trying to talk to him. And I gotta say, did you notice that Veacher sounds a lot like Pete's Dragon? <laughs> 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 now he's like, like so he he communicates by scratching so it's interesting that you bring that up actually because so almost every sound effect in this scene is actually done using um the guy jerry goldsmith who was on star wars or who worked on star wars and he actually created a device for star wars called the blaster beam that's an instrument that he created it's a 15 foot long aluminum tube with wires and springs stretched from one end to the other. And he plays it using a, uh, a violin bow and what other, op- whatever other objects he comes up with. And basically the spring inside it makes a sound that you would recognize immediately as a star Wars blaster sound. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I've seen the gotcha. Yeah, like it, exactly. it, there's a there's a couple of videos I found where people do the same thing with a slinky and you can basically make the same sound. But what's interesting is that he found using other things like, you know, a metal pitcher or a horn or all kinds of crap that if you like rubbed it along those springs or used the bow to play that thing as it's touching the the blaster beam that he would get all kinds of crazy noises. And every sound that's in this scene, every sound effect that's in the scene is actually him playing the blaster beam. Um, they, they went to him and said, look, you know, we, we need your help to, to flesh out these sound effects. And he just basically packed up his Star Wars gear, brought it over and played all the same <laughs> stuff. Um, so, yeah, like all those creepy, like grinding noises or popping noises, all that stuff. It's all the same equipment used to make the Star Wars blaster sounds. Okay, that's interesting. Interesting. It's a it, it's there's some pretty cool stuff. I found a video of him uh, playing this thing at a um, just some presentation, and watching him do it, like he, as you're listening to the grinding noises he's making with this thing, you're thinking in your head of like every sci-fi movie you've seen where they're <laughs> in a dark hallway, and there's like you hear steam vents or whatever. And then like this, you're like, Oh, Oh, that's that noise. It was pretty cool. That's Um, awesome. So it turns out they, they ask V'ger or they, they figure out the, um, uh, the response code that V'ger is expecting and they start trying to give it to him. And what does he do? He turns off his antenna. Which is basically the <laughs> Beecher's version of screaming, you're not my real dad. Right. But there's, okay. So I really try when I watch Star Trek to not be a technology geek, but oh my God, first off the transmission <laughs> that they sent to Beecher is Decker saying the words <laughs> and when he burns out the antenna, he can no longer hear those words. Also, <laughs> the way antennas work is that an antenna is going to help make it easier to receive the signal. So if they're blasting this thing with radio waves, it doesn't need the antenna. <laughs> <laughs> There's just so much wrong with how this goes down. And then Decker's like, I'm going to use the landing computer to do this. And so what's he do? He walks away and stands there for a minute. That is not using the landing computer. This is the point that in this scene, there's one part that just really never noticed it so much before this last time when Decker says, what would it need, what would it need to be one with the creator? And he almost says it enthusiastically. <laughs> right? <laughs> you well, get the idea he has this thing on his mind a little bit before we even got to the point that's going to go up. <laughs> Look, he's got to figure out some way to get to seventh heaven. <laughs> That's right. I went there. <laughs> uh, so it figures, I guess Decker will do. Um, and he's like, Jim, I want this as much as you want the enterprise. You get your ship. I get the girl. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. He says, I want this. What is this? Cause right? most of us in the crowd are kind of wondering, what are you talking about? <laughs> right. 
Oh, I, you're going to be disintegrated. That sounds great. It's like, dude, I don't think you, I don't think that means what you think it means. <laughs> so yeah, Decker's dead. So is Ilya. And then V'ger, I guess, decides to go into a wormhole. Because he wants to touch the creator, which was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Right. <laughs> so V'ger goes off and starts the Borg. And, uh, you know, I if you think about it, V'ger did feel that resistance was futile. And if you think about it, this actually just retools Jim Kirk's favorite plan of all time. If you sleep with the bad guy, good things are eventually going to happen. That's true. That's a fair point. I mean, Decker pretty much just said, yeah, I'm just using your strategy, Jim. And look what happened. Right. Um, at the very end of that scene, when V'ger pops out of existence, they do this really cool, uh, you know, planet exploding kind of uh, uh, explosion animation. What is that supposed enough, to symbolize? Well, yeah, I, I think it's it's a... An, energy outpouring of some sort i don't know <laughs> but they did go out of their way to make sure that it was a horizontal look to that scene because <laughs> they didn't want people to be like did you just blow up earth <laughs> uh no right um i didn't put a whole lot in here about what happened next because it was just your standard wrap-up of like well that that was fun and everybody's on the ship and like, well, what are we going to do now? We're all happy. Uh, we have our ship. Sir, Let's... what's your heading? I don't know. That away. He literally says that away. <laughs> he, and at this point, do you wonder if anybody on the ship is thinking about their career? What the right. hell is this guy going to do to my career? Exactly. He's, he's an admiral. They, their ship is commanded by an admiral. <laughs> yeah, that won't last long, right? <laughs> but that's Star Trek, the motion picture. It was a slow crawl back from television death, but they made it. Yep. And we wouldn't have all the good movies without it. So <laughs> there's that. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's a beautiful movie. There are a lot of people who love it just for the cinematic qualities. But man, is it slow. Yeah. Yeah, it is slow. I, like I said, I like it a little bit better every time I watch it. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it, and that's only because of probably nostalgia. Uh, yeah. Because, because watching this thing originally just really was, a, a, it really wasn't what anybody expected. Amen to that. So yeah, join us next time for Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, where we will discuss uh, just how open Ricardo Montalban's shirt can get. <laughs> the best of the best. Right. Uh, I would like to take a minute to uh, thank the band Five Year Mission for the use of their song Beam Down as our intro and outro. Thank you. Uh, Please make sure to visit them at fiveyearmission.net where they have all kinds of songs and albums for your perusal and they're really, really good. It is all Star Trek themed, so it's going to be lots of fun. Star Trek 832, 2016.